What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we've got a great episode that we're going to give you from an entrepreneur and a guy that's part of a mastermind that I'm involved with as well called GoBundance that is going to deliver to you some concepts on grit that I'm really excited to dive into. So Clay Speakman, brother, welcome. The key to life, it isn't money. It's happiness. And when you measure how happy you are, you actually become even more happy. Our friends at GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, use a very specific tool to measure their happiness. It's called the Life Happiness Index, and you can have it too. Go over to GoBundance.com slash LHI and take your Life Happiness Index assessment. You'll rate yourself in multiple categories on exactly how happy you are and get a custom output for you specifically that you can use in developing whatever goals you have for your life. GoBundance is the tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. And the tool GoBundance members use at the base of all of that is the Life Happiness Index. Get out there and grab life big. Oh, thanks, Jamie. It's great to be here. Love talking about growth mindset, grid, uh, resilience, how to 10X ourselves, all those things. Can you define for you, for me, what is grit? All right. So I define grit as the ability to do hard things on purpose every day. Why is it important to do hard things on purpose every day from your perspective? Well, we all know that easy is easy, right? You take the easy way, the easy path, the shortcut, but people don't grow by doing easy things. People don't grow by doing things they're already capable of doing and that they can easily handle. The growth in any area of life, in work, in relationships, in family, in health, in longevity, Growth comes from struggling to do things that are beyond your current capability. And that is driven by doing the hard things, by choosing the hard things on purpose. Life's going to give you hard things whether you want it or not. The only way you're going to be able to achieve success against those hard things is by practicing doing hard things on purpose. And to me, that's the definition of grit and why it's so critical that we have it. There's two different mindsets out there I found around where you should spend your energy. It's either lean into your strengths and maximize them or work to improve your opportunities or weaknesses. Where does grit lie? Well, I think you're talking about the results in one area, how to maximize the results of your efforts. In the other area, you're talking about how to grow and become more powerful at anything you try to do. If you only want to focus on results, then just spend more time in the things you're already good at. But the downside of that is you will not grow over time. You'll just become just as good as the things you're already good at. Life is going to be unpredictable. It's going to give you different circumstances, different challenges. You cannot guarantee that everything is going to be the same and you're going to continue to have the same success doing the same things. So if you want to make sure that you're cultivating a growth mindset, new skills, better skills, more potential future success, you have to struggle through things that you're not good at. And that's where hard things comes in. Do you have a sense or can you give me an, so what I, here's what I hear potentially, or if I'm, if I'm somebody listening to this, it's like, um, I have no interest in taking a cold shower, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it builds grit. That's, sort of one one avenue I could see going down or or taking it to the extreme. Like, I don't want to code. I'm not good at it. I have no desire to learn how to code, but grit, as you're defining it, for me to grow, I've got to plunge in and do something I don't want to do that's hard. 
am I getting too extreme in what you're defining grit as? Like, where's the lane within? Does that make sense? Like, what is the, give me the parameters within which I apply grit. Is it like just, hey, whatever you would hate doing, lay in a pit with snakes, like that's grit. Or is it like, no, first we need to outline the room that you want to be in and what the limits are, what's easy, what's hard, and then go to the hard part. Can you help me with that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we don't want to take things to an extreme where all we're doing is things that we're horrible at and we're getting bad results. What I'm talking about is is the mindset that when you have an easy choice and a hard choice, there's value in choosing the hard choice. And really to make it much simpler is there's value in struggling. So regardless of success or failure, the most important part of the equation is are you struggling? Because struggle brings growth. You might achieve or you might fail, but the struggle is the most important lever that you are choosing to bring into your life. So you may have a certain amount of results that you need to hit to achieve what you're going on. But if you're not mixing in enough struggle to do things that are beyond your current capabilities, you're not going to be pulling that lever of growth. So yes, you have to pick your times. You got to choose your things. You got to decide, is, is a cold shower a struggle for me that I need to overcome or not? And I don't know. There's no exact formula. But if you are not struggling on a daily basis, making choices to struggle, knowing that it's going to be hard, knowing that you might fail, then you're not pulling that growth lever enough to reach your epic potential. Where has What has been one of the grittiest decisions you've made or where has grit shown up in your life such that you have this, you formed this, this whole um, uh, structure around helping others build grit? So where has grit shown up for you? Well, I mean, I went through my own personal seven-year extreme endurance adventure survival challenge phase where I was really trying to answer the question of what what was I really like inside? Was I strong? Was I weak? Um, did I have what it takes uh, to be a strong man, a strong leader, uh, strong in my marriage? And I wasn't at the time. I was weak. I was a shortcut guy. I was taking the easy path. And I just knew that if I didn't fix that in an extreme way, the rest of my life would just be governed by that. So I started doing adventure races, survival events as my method of figuring out how to get strong in situations where I was always struggling. That was just my path through it. But what I took away from that after the seven-year journey is that I can do hard things on purpose in every area of my life, and I have no excuse to not do it because I've done the hardest things in the world. And so now I've taken out all that excuse layer of foundation to say, I know I can do it. I just have to decide to go through the struggle. Put words, if you would, to the seven year ago or whatever it was, weakness, you called it, shortcut. Give me examples. What, just so I have a sense of where were you? When you say you were a shortcut guy and weak, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I would choose the easy temporary fix way quick. Give me an example. Give me an example. Uh, You know, every single day in business, you know, there is whether I need to really invest the time and energy into getting a project right or whether I put the window dressing on and just push it out because it's going to work today, tomorrow, but it's not going to work in six months or a year. Uh, Shortcutting decisions that are going to get jobs done now, but are going to leave me 
scrambling in the future because I didn't invest what needed to do. Or I took the easy way out of a conversation with a coworker, with a family member, with my wife, mm-hmm. just trying to get the argument to go away rather than to deal with the hard stuff that was going on. So, I mean, that affected my relationship with my family, with my kids, uh, affected my business decisions. And now on the other side of it, where I understand the value in having that hard decision, that hard conversation, that that hard process, even if failure will be the end result of it, I value the struggle of going through it. To me, I've learned to look back and say, man, I was just shortcutting and 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 really taking the easy way out in everything I was doing before. Okay, that makes sense. I appreciate the the context and the and the and the clarity on that. What are what are so today? Well, shortly thereafter, you get into extreme races. Those are those are like big moves, big hard things. It feels like to me, at least, on a day to day basis. Though, are there tactical small steps, little things that you do or did or coach? to build grit to the point where you have the larger, grittier event like an extreme race. In other words, on a day-to-day basis, getting out of the conversation, the obvious retort to that is you know, having the conversation, the hard conversation. But on an even lower scale, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, minute-to-minute for that matter, uh, perspective, are there little things that you do that intentionally build grit that are maybe, you know, Something that you know you wouldn't think of. It's not. It's, it's clear to me when you do an extreme race. I get the grittiness of that. But what about on like just a day to day basis? Are there any tactics or things that you've done? Sure. I mean, again, there's no one size thing. I can tell you three things that I did yesterday, but I could tell you most people may or may not resonate with those. Uh, from a practical standpoint, what it looks like is okay. I go into the grocery store. I choose not to take a cart, and I choose to carry all the items through the grocery store to the checkout. Why? Because it's inconvenient, it's hard, it doesn't make any sense, but it's a mindset decision. It's a it's a it's a decision against convenience to doing things that are a little bit harder, more difficult on purpose. You park further away than you have to when you go to something because just because it makes you do more work, it makes you go through more inconvenience. When it's pouring outside, that's the time you decide to go outside for a workout instead of go inside the gym that's all comfortable and nice. So these are all decisions where the decision tree is one is easy and one is hard. Mm. The things that they're not going to kill you. They're not going to permanently damage you. There's no severe risk. You're just going to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced. And I think it's just a daily mindset that, hey, I'm going to have a hundred choices today or maybe a thousand choices. And there's going to be an easy, convenient choice. And there's going to be other choices that are less convenient, less easy. And I'm going to try to choose a lot of less convenient, less easy choices. I have to balance that against, you know, the amount of time I have and the amount of productivity I've got to get done. But having that mindset start there. And it's the same thing with events. You know, people say, how did you do the death race and why would you do something like that? Well, it didn't start with that. It started with what's something I can sign up for that's really hard that I'm not sure that I can complete. Well, it starts with that first 5K or that first one-hour adventure race. And once you sign up and you say, I'm going to do it because it's hard, then you go into, well, how am I going to do it? Well, how am I going to do it is I, I got to get better at all these things that I'm not good at. And then you start to realize you have to rise up to the occasion of something you've committed to do, even though you don't know how to do it. 
So that's the same thing with work projects, with goals, with family goals, with monetary goals. Commit to it, something that you don't know how to do, that's too hard for you to do right now because you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the stamina, you don't have the strength. Commit to it now. Struggle to figure out if you can get it done. And again, the struggle is the most valuable part of the equation. You may or may not succeed, but the struggle is what's going to make you better the next time you go for it. Can you get addicted to this? And better question, have you overdone it? Is it possible to? <laughs> yes. I, I know lots of people who just, I call them grit junkies. They show up <laughs> for every endurance race. They show up for every suck fest. They show up for every go rock. They show up for every ultra marathon. And I don't have anything against that mindset, but those are athletes trying to compete and somewhat addicted to the highs of suck fest, right? If you don't take life lessons away from that and become better at relationships, family, work, spiritual things, then you've failed the purpose of those events in, in my opinion, right? So uh, I do events, I do grit things, I do things with clients and I say, here's a sandbag. You're going to be doing hard work with this for 12 hours. We're going to be challenging lots of things, thoughts and, and limits. And if the only thing you do is get better at carrying this sandbag around, you fail the entire event. You have to translate grit into becoming much better in every area of your life, not just being better at the event itself. What is a death race, by the way? It's four to five days of chaos, physical work, mental work. The rules change all the time. You get different instructions from different people telling you to do different things. And oftentimes they contradict each other. You're constantly getting incentives and encouragement to quit, to give up, to shortcut things, to take easy way out. And the idea behind the event is for people who have done the biggest events in the world, come to this and see if you can be still there at the end of the event against everything that's thrown at you that encourages you to quit and give up. Can you last until the end? And the, the finish rate is usually 5% of people who show up. And it's really the ultimate test of willpower. What's your why? What are you doing with your life? And can you, can you stay in the game in the face of everything telling you to quit? Can you translate the grit displayed in, like you said, like working out in the rain or parking further from the grocery store and not taking a, a, uh, a cart and picking up all the items and, it, you know, like creating that inconvenience. How is that manifested before and after as an entrepreneur, let's say, or businessman for you? What's today like because you made those decisions as an entrepreneur specifically? Yeah. Uh, a real quick example from about six months ago. Um, I, had uh, a technology project paying uh, a lot of money a month so I can get all the toys, all the things. And I had had a, you know, a 10 year run with a very high paying position. And I realized over time that didn't fulfill my passion, my fulfillment for life that I was looking for. But the scary thing that was in front of me is, do you want to give all that up to go into something with an unknown future with nothing reliable, nothing that is guaranteed to pursue a greater, bigger cause. And it takes grit to make that decision. It takes grit to say, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to commit and I'm going to struggle to figure it out along the way. 
and you know, if I didn't have that grit, I would have never made the decision. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. That's interesting. Leaving my job was that. And there's two questions that come off of it. I hope I remember both of them. But the one that jumps to mind right now is when we talked earlier about, you know, the room in which you know, the parameters for when, when, when you apply grit, like, is it just like, go find the thing that you would never want to do? Like, go, you know, wrestle a shark or whatever, like you know, that has, just, just to do it versus does it have some other sort of parameter to it? Is it wrong to say that you apply grit in a circumstance with a higher calling in mind, a specific higher calling in mind, or is it just apply grit and see what happens? Well, I mean, I don't think there's there's a lot of downside to applying grit to any situation. I, I guess you could put an asterisk that, yeah, there's some cases where maybe you should give up something that's hard because sticking with something that's hard may not fulfill your life or bring benefit or bring the change. And that's where you have to know where's your compass point to, what's most important to you in life. If you're sticking with uh, a job or a challenge or a task that doesn't take you towards where you ultimately want to end up in three, five, 10 years, then yeah, maybe you should jump out of that, but jump into something else that's equally as hard. It's equally as challenging. And that grit is going to power you through that as well. I, I think grit is just the thing that tells you to keep trying when you hit obstacles, when you hit failures, when other people tell you, I don't think that's going to work. When you know that it's where you want to go and you apply grit, you will keep trying, you will keep struggling until you find those answers to those questions. And I don't think anything else is as powerful enough to power you through that. How much of grit is in the decision to do something versus the actual execution of it? Well, if you start with the mindset that I'm going to do hard things on purpose, I'm going to do things that challenge myself and the struggle is important then the execution will follow. If you don't decide those things and you try to go through something that requires extreme resilience and repeated failures are being thrown at you, you'll crumble because mm. you haven't decided that one, that it's important to struggle or two, that you're the kind of person who has the grit to persevere. So I think it starts with the mindset and then your body and your mind will rise up to the occasion. If you've decided I'm going to achieve this no matter what, you will be two, three, ten times as strong and powerful and as as sort of focused as you would otherwise because you have that foundation. When we you made this all the time, I, I take guys through Spartan races and through twelve-hour uh, hurricane heats and through sixty-hour death race events, uh, and I'm now fortunate enough to be the instructor at a lot of these events. I see people who do things that they never thought they could do. And, I, and it goes from a guy who goes over a six-foot wall for the first time and says, you know what? I never thought I could do that. Now, I think I can do a lot more. To a guy who says, you know what? I didn't think I could run 20 kilometers, but now I'm doing 50. Hmm. And another guy who says, I didn't think there was a way I could stay awake for two days straight while carrying around 70 pounds of weight and trekking 50 miles. He says... I never imagined I could do that, but now I do that, you know, all the time. It just, it's the step to the next thing that you think you can't do. And then when you overcome that, your mind goes, hey, look what we just did. We just overcame something that we didn't think we can do. It reinforces that positive cycle of, hey, now we can probably do more things we didn't think we could do. There's that scene in that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a football movie where 
<clears throat> excuse me, the coach says to a player, uh, down on your hands and feet, so no knees, right? And crawl, bear crawl to the 30-yard line with a guy on your back. Was and this, he's like, yeah. but you have to just promise me I'm going to blindfold you. You won't give up. You ever seen this scene? Yeah, I've seen this scene. And then he ends up crawling all the way to the other end zone and doesn't even realize, like, you're so much more capable. That's what I think of when you describe that. So that's interesting. The um, the thing that's coming up for me, so you left this gig or, you know, you set down this income that you were making six months ago or so. It sounds like the decisions leading up to that, the, the man you've become, the grit you've built in order to do that was obviously serving you. It built a, a foundation beneath you to make the decision that you made. How has it gone? What lessons have you learned? What, what's, what's unlocked or opened up for you, good or bad, in that six months? What's happening today based on that decision from six months ago? Yeah, so uh, I went through the journey myself to solve my own problem. That was phase one. Phase two was now I'll be an instructor at a lot of events and I'll help other people through their journey as they're going through the journey. That was fulfilling. But then phase three is where I'm at now, which is how can I get a hundred more, a thousand more, a million more people to start the journey of doing hard things on purpose that haven't even started it yet? And the biggest feedback and the biggest sort of learning I've had in the six months I'm doing it is most people realize that grit is a lacking area in their life, but they don't know how to get control of it or how to gain it back again. Um, when I talk to people, grit comes up pretty quick and yes, I need that. I know that that's an issue. I know that I lack there. It's something that concerns me. Is almost ubiquitous. It almost comes up every time. How do I get started? What do I do first is usually the next question. And that's where I've learned that everybody has a next step to take in that scale. And it can start really small. It could be one minute of your day, or it could become a huge part depending where you are on your scale. I asked before about how the decisions you've made in the past uh, to build grit have served you today as an entrepreneur. Same question, but let's go with as a father. Yeah. Um, so same problem I had with being a father as I had with being in business is, you know, there would be an easy way to handle any situation with my kids. What is the quickest way to get this thing to go away that's going on with my kids, right? Um, and my kids are older now. My, my oldest is 25. My youngest is 19. Um, but this still comes into play. Right. So as, as parents and as a father, you know, an issue comes up and hey, easy, quick fix, get this to go away, get this out of here. Um, you know, that was always available. And I had normally chosen that before. Um, but to take a step back and say, well, you know, is there another thing that's going to have a bigger, better impact here? What's well, almost always going to be harder, it can be more difficult, it's going to require more time. It's going to require sacrifice on my part. It's going to require me to be vulnerable. It's going to require me to listen and maybe change my mind or change my opinion about what's going on. Uh, those are the hard things that we typically want to avoid. So one of the things that I found is that a lot of times when I'm getting into a situation with my kids, a conversation or an issue or a choice, is there would be this hard thing that I didn't want to do. And as soon as it came up, my instinct was to avoid it or go the other direction. And what I had to do is tell myself, no, that thing that just came up that I 
tried to avoid, that's the thing that I actually need to go to. Like, like what? I need an example on that, if you don't mind. Like sharing a vulnerability that I have with my kids that may make me seem less than Superman to my kids, right? Yeah. Your kids are struggling. They're fighting. They're trying to figure out how to navigate these own channels. And as parents, it's too easy to say, that was wrong. Don't do it. Fix your behavior. But it's much harder to say, you know what? And I failed a hundred times on that. And let me tell you some of the times that I completely failed or did the wrong thing in those areas. And, you know, let's figure out together how we can solve this problem. And what do you need from me? That's much harder than just telling your kids, don't do that again, you know, yeah. or I'm going to take away X, Y, Z. That's the easy solution is don't do it. I'm going to take away X, Y, Z. The harder solution is bond yourself with them in it. Do a challenge together where you both might fail. Let them see your struggle. Uh, celebrate that struggle and tie into them. It's a much harder risk of failure, a much higher risk of failure if you do that. But it's much more fulfilling and it's much more likely to work for both you and your kids. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. I, I want to ask about you know what you saw as a difference in your kids, but it's interesting. I remember, boy, I don't know when, maybe late teens, early 20s, without that vulnerability present in my household, um, I can sort of remember, maybe not the instant, but the I remember around the moment where I realized like, oh, wow, my parents weren't right all the time. You, you know, like it, it was like one thing that was clearly wrong that I had anchored in as a belief because my parents not being vulnerable uh, or not willing to be vulnerable just told me it is so, it is this way, whatever that that thing was. And I learned without a doubt that that's not that way. So it's like, wow, what else? What else are they wrong about? My God, I have to question everything. And that's a that's a rocky moment for a young adult, like you know, whatever age that was, you know, late teens, early twenties person. So I guess I'm curious for you, like, did you see any change? And if so, what was it in the way in which your kids interacted with you, or or whatever? When you when you do something like that, when you are willing to display a level of vulnerability because it's hard. I know that's why my parents didn't do it. That's why I don't do it sometimes. It is hard. But yes. is there any change that you've seen in your kids or even more so, have they articulated anything to you over the years because of your willingness to do the hard thing in those types of situations? Yeah. I mean, it depends on which age your kids are. If your kids are seven, eight, ten, or if they're going through the teenage years, it's really hard to get that honest, introspective feedback from them because they, they don't they don't understand a lot of times what's going on until later when they reflect back. Um, so I have the benefit of kids that are now in their 20s. And so now they're giving feedback to me and my wife about things they went through when they were in their teenage years or in their younger years and how they felt. Now they've been able to process it uh, because they've had mind development, you know, growth and things like that that, elite, that enable them to do that. But what my kids will tell you if you ask them is, Watching me push myself, challenge myself, go through difficult things out of the house when I was doing these events, help them to understand, number one, that I was human and, and struggle was something that I was dealing with. So it made me more approachable to them. Um, it set an example of challenging themselves. And now they, they felt open to challenge themselves to do harder things and things that, that were outside of their comfort zone. But in our relationships, I just feel like we got to a different level of understanding and knowledge of each other. 
Uh, and some of that came with age, but I wish I could go back to one of my kids who were six, seven, nine, ten, which was all before I started my journey. Because I, looking back, I realized I was having surface conversations with my kids, dealing with surface problems, just trying to keep the peace and trying to keep bad things from happening. And I mean, it's easy to see now, and I'm kind of clear of it, but as a parent, that's a very small upside of life, right? Who wants to be like, hey, I just want to have, you know, a family life where nothing goes wrong and everybody's happy and nobody's right. That's such a shallow goal, right? This, we should have struggle. We should have conflict. We should have passionate, deep arguments and discussions around values, around goals, around behaviors. It should be messy, right? But we try to keep that off. We try to no mess, no conflict, no disruption, no arguments. I think that choosing hard things on purpose allows you to get into those things and bring them up. Make it okay for those things to happen in your family. Because if you want strong kids and successful kids, you need to foster that, not try to silence them. That's interesting. It's it's a as a parent of kids that are eight and five currently, it is very tempting to just want life to be nice and easy, nice and calm, great childhood, you know, whatever you define that is. Um, meaning conflict-free, no pain, you know, up until the right, just everything goes smoothly right up until they're able to go out into the real world and boom, they're, 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 you know, they're in the zone for the next 50 years or whatever. That's what you want. But I'm coming to that realization now. And it's not, it's such a silly thing to say a realization. Like, you know, it, you know, it, you know that, Hey, look, I went through what I went through as a kid. I can't then, uh, avoid for them, whatever they're going to go through. One, because I don't have control over others and what they do or what they don't do to my kids, like bullying or that kind of thing is, is what comes to mind. And two, because we all internalize things differently, right? Like I'm learning like my older kid is way more sensitive to um, what he perceives as being bad or, or doing something against the rules, whatever rule that might be in his school, in life, than the second one, right? So the same action, one interprets one way, the other interprets a different way. And the interpretation creates trauma potentially. And I'm looking for ways to avoid all of that somehow, or I had been. So it's a, it's a recent revelation for me. Like, you know what? They're going to go through what they go through, even if it's not visible to me what they're going through, but they're going through it emotionally or, or whatever it may be. Um, and I have to allow for that. That's, I think, what builds grit. Yeah. And I've had a number of conversations with my clients recently over what do I do to help my kids grow their own grit level? Um, and what I say is, well, one, you have to engage grit yourself because you've got to lead by example. Kids rarely will do what we tell them to do, but they rarely fail to do what they see us do. So we really have to lead by what we're doing first. And then after you start that journey, the second step is, communicate the struggle to your kids. Let them know, I struggle. This is hard for me. You know, I failed. Because they want to know that you're not, you're not going through easy street. Even if you are struggling, a lot of parents don't share that with their kids. They're not open to that with their kids. So their kids don't understand that they're actually struggling and failing. And then third, invite your kids into that journey with you. Hmm. Create joint experiences and joint journeys where you can struggle alongside your kids, where they understand it's safe to do it because they're with you, 
but there's the element of struggle and you allow that to happen. You don't fix all their problems. So one example that I've heard used is, you know, you've got a kid, maybe your kid's three, four years old sitting at the table, right? Imagine this. And they want to open a box. So they've got a box and they're trying to open it and it's hard, right? They, they don't, they're trying to figure out how to open it. And as a parent, what most people do is after like 10 seconds of struggle, we go, oh, let me open that for you. And we open it, right? Now you say, okay, what's wrong with that? Well, you had an opportunity to let the kids struggle. Fail or succeed, did it matter? No, the struggle is what mattered. But you took away that opportunity to let your kids struggle by fixing it. That's well, true. magnify that times 100 times a week and, and, and how many weeks every year. By the time your kid's 10, 12, 15, you know, you've pretty much taken all the struggle out of their life if you keep doing that. So this is small little things. Okay, you know, opening a box for a kid is not going to ruin your kid. But if that's the method you operate of removing struggle as soon as it comes up, then yeah, your kid's going to have a hard time when they have to struggle by themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. I do that. I know I do that. So it's in patience. It's, it's, we do it not for their benefit. Why do we open the boxes? Cause we don't want to be annoyed by them. Struggling. It's impatience. Exactly. hundred percent. It's all me saying, right, let me, let me just have the box. I don't want you making a mess. If like, say it's cereal or something inside, like, bah, this thing just explodes or we need that box for later. Like there's always, it's definitely what's in it for me. It's not about, you know, like if, if I was sleeping and it happens all the time, like, how did you get that? They figure it out. Like they wake up early, they're downstairs, you know, before school and they've opened something or got or climbed something to get to something or whatever they do, they figure it out. But if I'm there witnessing it, it's inconvenient for me. So therefore I step in. Yeah. And it's the same thing for us as adults. You know, it, you, you read stories about people who get stranded in wilderness and have to go 30 miles overnight, 12 hours straight to get themselves out of a situation or something like that. And and you talk to them later and they say, I, there's no way I would have done that if you asked me to do it. I only did it because I had to do it, yeah, yeah. right? As humans, we are capable of a hundred times more than what we think we are, but we won't ever find that unless we have to do it. Dude, uh, living, living in the Dominican Republic, I've said this like, where you see the lack of resource for a, a lot of people, it's incredible to see the resourcefulness, you know, like where you see that they don't, I remember right after a hurricane here, um, there was a, a Honda, <laughs> a Honda civic. I remember it pulling out in front of us, like whips around a corner, four guys in it with like, I don't know, five or six pieces of plywood on the roof, four hands holding it. That's how they, that's, how do we get the plywood home? I remember seeing a dude on a mo motorcycle, like a dirt bike on a shoulder of like a highway or road with a washing machine on the back of it. So the washing machine was leaning on the back of his seat. His right arm is up over his head, holding like just, you know, like holding the weight of it behind him, rolling down the road, one hand on a moped or motorcycle, just zipping down the road. And then even at the beach locally, they were building like a, like a framework for a for a uh, uh, a wedding, like a dance floor. So it was like the dance floor, and they had like this metal framework that you would put. You can imagine they put like lights up in it and uh, and like a, a roof over it, right? So they're building <laughs> building this, and like one dude went up to like what was the top of it. It's laying on the ground and just like holds on. Like what's he doing? And the rest of the guys take it and they just like stand this thing up 20 feet and he's like think at the top without any sort of like anything 
and he's just grabbing like the the crossbar and tying it together and like bolting it together. He's grabbing the next one. So to your point, man, I, I see it all the time here. It's it's a constant reminder. I see guys packed in a truck, like in the back of a truck going to work. Like, I mean, packed like cattle couldn't get that close. They just jam their way in there, going to work at five a.m. when I'm going to the gym or whatever. When you when you have to do it, you just do it. They don't. In many cases, these folks don't know any different. Like that's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. But you're right. A 30 mile walk overnight to get to you know somewhere safe. Like why would I ever choose to do that? So it's funny. I even said to my wife, like I want to like go because some of these guys in the blazing sun, they're working outside, full long sleeve face mask, hat, like hot clothing in hot weather. Like I should go do that for one day. I should just go to work with them one day. Hop in the back of that truck, packed in, just to like remind myself you know because it's hard right because it's uncomfortable it's and it's inconvenient and you should absolutely do things like that whenever you have the chance i mean if you are successful and you live in the united states you can pretty much buy all the comfort luxury and convenience that you want and you can remove almost every uncomfortable thing out of your life it's true and you know the strange thing is a lot of guys get to success by using grit to build the success, but then that grit builds success. That success brings comfort. And then before you know it, that comfort is eroded all the grit and you're back to, you're too comfortable. You don't have the grit that you need. And then life goes sideways and you don't have the resources to bring it back. So, you know, I think that's a cycle that is all too prevalent. And, you know, a hundred years ago and 500 years ago, you had to be gritty just to survive. You had to go get your own water. You had to dig your own stuff. You had to catch your own food. You had to work, right? Um, you had to physically work. You had to do uncomfortable things as a way of life. Now, to be successful, you can pretty much be surrounded by comfort and convenience the entirety of the day, and you don't need grit to survive anymore. And so if you want the grit, you've got to choose to go get it. That's so true. So in the example I gave, my thing, if I went to work with these guys, the grit provides perspective. How much is perspective a component of grit, if at all? Or is that just like a side effect? Well, I mean, it, you know, number one starts with the mindset. You don't go out and do that thing if you don't have the mindset that it's important to do it and what you can learn from it. So, yeah, I think that the grit in and of itself is a catalyst to help you grow in all the other areas of your life that are going to get you to the goals that you've set for yourself. Yeah. You mentioned clients. Tell me about clients. Who do you work with? Not names, but like, give me an idea of who are the people that you're working with? What are you working with them on? What does that look like? What's this business that you have? Yeah. So I learned uh, over the course of the last couple of years that I had a very unique skill set um, and that I'm probably the, the, the best person in the world to do what I do. And that's to inspire millions of business owners and business leaders to value and cultivate grit to improve every part of their lives. So, you know, I've been in the grit, endurance, survival space world. I've gone through my journey, but I've also built companies, run companies, uh, and figured out how to grow and scale. And I think when you combine those two things together, you can get people who are successful to become people who change the world in, in crazy ways. And that's what my goal is. So uh, I have a, a membership program that has accountability groups and gets together couple times a year to grow and cultivate that grit uh, and challenge each other. It's called the Epic Grit Club. And it's my own grit coaching group. 
then I do events for masterminds and business leader groups where we go out and do our challenges together. Uh, I have a partnership with Spartan where we take business leaders uh, through a weekend where we do a mastermind, we do a Spartan race, and then we do another mastermind. Uh, and the idea is if we struggle together, we'll be much more effective at talking and, and working through all of our other issues. Who finds their way to you? Is it as a dad, as an entrepreneur? Like, I, I mean, there are all those things, but like, what is the, what is the person that finds their way to you? What are they really, what, which of their identities, if you will, is looking to get grittier? Sure. It's usually a person who's found a pretty good level of success um, and now has come to the realization that how am I going to either sustain my success? How am I going to become 10 or 100 times more successful? How do I make the next leap? Uh, what's missing in my life? Where do I find the impact in my life? And you know, if, if you come to that realization and you realize that man, I've become a little too comfortable, I've become a little too soft, uh, I don't challenge myself like I used to, then I'm the guy. Yeah, that's incredible. That's really interesting. Uh, the Spartan race thing, are you teamed up literally with, what's his name, Joe Dispenza? What's his name, Joe? Joe. Joe Dis yeah, Joe and I have done a lot of events. Uh, the death race is held at his farm uh, where the lawyers and the insurance guys can't really get in. Real quick, uh, <laughs> real quick, the death race, like, are you awake for five days? Pretty much, other than five, 10 minutes that you steal away here and there when nobody's oh, shit. Paying. So you're going, what is that, 96 hours pretty much awake other than an hour yes. combined? It's 70, 70 to 70 some odd hours. You don't quite ever know when it's going to end. Uh, they keep telling you, oh, you got two more days left or you got another... <laughs> You know, they keep, they, they want you to quit, right? They want you to fold. Um, but that's the whole point is, can you withstand all this negativity and still make it through? Uh, but yeah, you, you find the human limits really come out there uh, in what you're able to do. And it's really empowering to go through it. And most of my friends who've gone through it haven't completed it, but their takeaways are just as powerful as mine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's insane. I can't. I yeah, I, I haven't gone through something like that, so I can't yet imagine it. I got to do a 5K. I've done one. I should do another one. Um, the the path to like, I don't know, a 10K. <laughs> yeah, I do have to find more grit in my world. So go ahead. Committed to do a 10K Spartan race. You're not capable of doing it today, and that's the whole idea. That's true, right? That's a great point. Now we'll have to talk. Clay, where can people reach out? Where can people learn more about you? Your website, anything you want to leave? Yeah, uh, Facebook and Instagram, Epic Grit Club. And you can always email me, clay at epicgritclub.com. Anything you want to talk about, that's my favorite thing, is connecting with people, sharing my story, hearing yours, and figuring out how to uh, engage your grit level. Beautiful. Appreciate you being on, man. Thanks, Jamie.